My subject this morning is knowing is the key to the Christian life. I don't know about you, but if you ever notice that religious people can be the meanest people on earth, it's because religion makes people mean. For some reason, it has a tendency to do that. All forms of religion around the world is man's attempt to reach God. It's based on trying to earn an acceptance and a response from God, or in some places of the world, God's. And could it be that our primary cause of depression among Christians is all this emphasis on performance? Because it produces a feeling of emptiness, loneliness, worthlessness, and non-acceptance. In other words, they can't live up to what they feel is expected of them in the Christian life. And they do not understand the struggles that they go through. They feel bad and guilty that they claim that they are Christians and life is simply not working out for them. They're sick and tired of life. They're sick of their spouse. They're tired of their children. And on top of that, they feel guilty because at times there's no desire to live. Even Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, he was so depressed that he asked God to die. So it happens to us all. It happens to men of God. But the most destructive force in the human experience is conditional love and acceptance. And that is a big issue in most marriages today. Now, if that is true, which I believe it is, then it's also true that the most powerful, life-changing power in existence is the message of God's unconditional love and acceptance in Jesus Christ. In John 6, 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. There are countless promises in the the Bible, over 3,000 promises in the Bible. And in spite of the fact that there are all these promises just, uh, and it's all about good news, it's about how much God loves us, there is still a resistance to the message of grace, freedom in Christ, and just this whole matter of unconditional love. Here's what we hear. They say, people say that, I know that we're saved by grace. 
But what about all those behavioral texts in the New Testament? What do we do with those? Some say, I know that we're totally forgiven, but what about 1 John 1.9? Or someone might say, I know that Christ lives in me, but if he lives in me, why do I have all of these thoughts that go through my mind that are not good? Satan has a theology to the Christians. And it's called, what about? People are always saying, what about this text? What about this experience? Satan knows the Bible well. In fact, he quoted it to Jesus. And he'll quote it to us. I believe with all of my heart that Satan, what he does to the Christian, he encourages them to try as hard as they possibly can to live the Christian life. Now that may sound strange, but I believe that this is what Satan does to the Christian. He wants to encourage you to try as hard as you can to be a Christian because he knows that if you try with all of your heart, with all of your might, that you will more than likely experience this hopelessness and you will slowly but surely, you will sense the lack of peace, the lack of joy, and obviously the lack of power. In the 70s, there came out this New Testament witnessing. And I remember I got involved in that. And what we did is we went from door to door and we asked people, if you're to die tonight, would you know that you have eternal life? And then we'd wait for the response and then we'd bring out the little booklet, The Four Spiritual Laws. And then at the end of that, we would ask them if they would like to pray and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, since that time, there's many programs that have come and gone. And they all had one purpose, and that is to fulfill the commission that Jesus Christ gave the New Testament church, and that is to take this gospel to all the world. But this morning, I want to ask you, do you know God? I don't know if you've asked yourself that question, but I would like to answer that question for you. Because if you're a child of God, at a very deep level, you know God. You know God. And I'm going to show you the scriptures this morning that will testify to that. Now, I understand that knowing God is, can be a process and is a process. We, we'll spend eternity understanding and learning about the love of God. But what I'm talking about is the process, how it all started. Because when you responded to Christ, you began a process of knowing. In Hebrews, 
In Hebrews 8 9, this talking about this new covenant, this new way, it says here, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. So what was the problem? The problem was that they did not continue in the covenant, in the promise that they made to God. And so God turned their backs on them. Now notice here, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. I will put their laws into their minds, and I will write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, the Bible says here, because they did not continue in his covenant, that there would come a day when he would give us a new covenant. And in the book of Hebrews is that new covenant. And you'll find that as we go through life together, you and I, you will be going to Hebrews a lot. So let's look at the facts. God is saying this. I'm yours, and you are my people. It's not like God is saying, if you qualify, if you're sincere, then you will be my people. No, he declared you to be his people. He said in verse 11, And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizens, and everyone his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible, we just read it and sort of get the gist of it. But you'll notice here that the word of God says that for all, all, will know me from the least to the greatest of them. And what have we heard through the years about the witnessing program? I mean, I can remember when I first became a Christian, I would hear, if you don't go out and tell other peoples, their blood will be on your hands. They would quote the Old Testament. And the New Covenant says here, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. God is not asking you to know him at, his, at the deepest level you already know him. You know him. God gave you a new heart. And notice what he did. He said this, for I will be merciful to their iniquities. I will be merciful to their sins, and I will remember their sins no more. This is a new covenant. 
that he promised that he would never remember our sins ever. Here's what happened. When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, whether you were nine years old or whether you were 70 years old, it doesn't make any difference. When you asked him to come in his life, this is what he did. He responded and he cleaned house. He did that so that you may know him. So that he could dwell inside you. The Bible says Christ in you is your hope of glory. So he took away all of your sins and promised you that he would never bring them up again. That is why the Bible says that you are complete in Christ. That's why the Bible says that you are perfect forever. Forever. Because in the core of you is that new heart that God gave you. Now, we've had it all backwards, it seems. We were told that the goal is to know God. That's our goal, to know him. Well, how do we know him? Well, you're in luck because the Christian church has a method. They tell you, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to sort of get your life straightened out. Well, how do I get my life straightened out? Well, as a new believer, you need to start reading your Bible every day. Okay? As a new believer... You need some time that you spend just with the Lord. We call it quiet time. As a new believer, you should set aside special time, maybe have a prayer, prayer closet. And I told you I tried mine. I had a prayer closet. And then you'll begin to know God. Totally backwards. We know God. We don't need to get to know God. We know God at the deepest level. There's no question there's going to be a process of knowing the love of God throughout eternity. Listen, when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we were fused. We were united in Christ. That's what happened whether we were 9 or 90, that's what happened. We were fused with Christ. And then the Bible says that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You have been sealed all this time by the Holy Spirit. You were already signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, let's find out, we know what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews says, but let's find out what John says. In 1 John 12 and 13, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven. Here again, 
here again, we, we find this, your sins are out of the, out of, your sins are not the issue. They've all been dealt with. All of your sins have been dealt with. They've been wiped clean. When Christ came in, he cleaned house because that's where he dwells. He doesn't dwell in, a, in, a, in the midst of sin. So he had to clean house. He took all of your sins away, and he remembers them no more. And here we find, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the very beginning. Here it is again. We're totally forgiven. And the Father knows us. We know him. And we'll spend eternity knowing him. Now, I received a phone call on Thursday evening from my neighbor. And he, he wanted to let me know, for some reason that he talked to this contractor who came over to my house and uh, gave me an estimate. It was just a small job. And um, he gave me an estimate. And then after he did that, we began to talk about the Lord. And I was asking him some questions. And my neighbor said this. He said, yeah, he says, I was talking to him. And he told me that he said that he had never heard in all of his life some of the things that I was saying to him. About forgiveness and all these things that I've been sharing with you. And then he said, my neighbor said, he said, I thought he was kind of crazy at first. He says, and then the more he talked, the more, he said, I started thinking about it, and the more it made sense. And then he said, all of a sudden, he said, I think I believe just like he does. And I found this. If it is God's truth, and Christ dwells within every believer, which I believe, then truth has a sound to it that makes sense. There's something about truth that most of us have already had a feeling towards. Or a lot of us, we came to the place where we had a lot of questions. That was me. I had a lot of questions. And I couldn't connect the dots. And I prayed and studied and prayed and studied and prayed. These, these connecting the dots begins to make sense. When we read scripture and the Bible says that we are totally forgiven, when the Bible says that that. All of our sins have been wiped clean, wiped away, taken away. When we understand that, we, that Christ lives in us, there's something happens to us. There's a different, 
some, we ex start experiencing something differently. Yes, we're not focusing on sin because sin has been, the issue has been settled. But there's something else that happens to us. We begin to find some sort of a oneness for what we hear from the scripture. Now, I've heard so many times people say, you know, I've read that. One man told, told, told me recently, I've read the Bible five times through. And I know there's a lot of people that have read the Bible, studied the Bible. And I've had so many people through the years say to me, you know, I, I, know, I, I know the Bible. I have it all up here. But I can't get it here. And once again, we have it all backwards. When we understand what happened, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, when we fully grasp that Jesus performed surgery on us, he opened our heart, took out that stony heart, gave us a new heart, a new heart, and you hear me say that almost every week, he gave us a new heart, We have it here. All of us have it right here in our core. We have difficulty getting it up here. It doesn't work the other way around. Once we understand what salvation really means and is, then we have it here. But now it's getting it up here. And the Bible says that's a process of renewing your mind. So Elijah, David, all of them, and all of us. There comes times when we listen to our flesh and we sin. And then we hear, we hear the New Testament in First, or Second Corinthians 5.19 say to us, don't worry about it. Your sins are forgiven. And I will remember them no more. Don't be concerned about it. And then from the heart, from the heart, we say to ourselves when we sin, that was so stupid, stupid. One person asked me one time, I was uh, an evangelist at that time, and they said to me, how can you tell whether a person is really, really, really born again? I don't know why Christians, they go through this torment. They go, I don't, I don't feel... I don't know, I question whether I've been really, really born again. And oftentimes I would say, well, what happens to you when you sin? And I says, when sin becomes stupid, you're born again. When you sin and you say, oh, what in the world's wrong with me anyway? You're born again. You're born again. The sin issue was settled. And then it says here, this is 1 John 2.14. We went from Hebrews to 1 John. Now notice, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. 
I cannot tell you how many people have read this scripture and they look at it and they say, oh my, here are these people, these young men were strong. They were strong and they had, they were strong in the Lord. And <clears throat> believe it or not, this has nothing to do with memorizing scripture. <laughs> nothing to do with it. I've known people who, could, who have memorized the whole New Testament. It has nothing to do with memorizing Scripture. The Bible is saying simply, because Christ died on the cross and defeated the enemy, and because you are in Christ, the enemy is a defeated foe. It's not you. It's Christ living in you. And as far as being strong in the Lord, what does Paul say? I glory in my weakness. So what is this talking about, strong in the Lord? You know, some people have read this and came to the conclusion that these men were so powerful in the word that they cast out devils and demons of all sorts. But I challenge you, you can read your Bible from Romans and go all the way through the epistles and you'll not find anything about casting out demons. Why? Well, it's when Christ comes into the believer, remember he cleaned house. He dwells within you. There's no room for any demon to be in the house of God. It's an impossibility. You cannot be possessed by a demon. Absolutely impossible. Christ is living in you. He cleaned house. You're new. You're new on the inside. And that's where he dwells. And he doesn't share you with any demon or devil or anything. In fact, the Bible says that when you, in your infancy, when you, when you said, Lord, I want you to come into my life, or you said, Lord, life isn't working. I'd like to give you a try. <laughs> Whatever you said. The Bible says that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You realize that this, this whole business ends our search for some sort of experience to find out or figure out if God really does love me, if God really does care for me, if God is really in me, it ends our search. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong in the word of God. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. There's a lot of theologians, they, they, they have gone back or they look back and they say, well, when Jesus walked upon the face of this earth, only 20% of the people could read or write. But historians tell us different. The most was 6%. Only less than 6% could read or write. Now, this text here the word of God abides in you. What does that mean? This is about the word 
living in you. And this is about knowing a person who is the Word. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Word. So you're strong in the Lord because you have Jesus Christ dwelling, living in you. In John 17, this is the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer. And he says this, I do not ask on my behalf of these alone. He's talking about his disciples. He says, I do not ask, they're great guys, I love, I love them all, but I do not ask for just these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us. Don't you love that? In us. Do you know what that means? It means when, when I see Tim, I see four people. Tim, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's four of us. Four of us. So I'm going to read it again. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I can't tell you the power that there is in that scripture. I've been trying my very best to explain that when we accept Christ, Christ dwells in us. And his whole, his whole emphasis is allowing us to let him live through us. No matter who we come in contact with, Christ is going to work through us. Whether we say hello, whether we say goodbye, whether we ask a question to anybody, Christ is going to live through us if we allow him. Because there's actually four people there. There's you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you have been filled with the Trinity. Jesus' prayer. We, we are in Christ. Christ is in us. Wow. God is in us. The Holy Spirit is, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I know, I want you to notice something here. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, do you realize that you are a gift that God gave you 
as a gift to Jesus Christ. I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world. Wow. What a scripture. Then the Bible says that he will not only, not only does he dwell within us, but he will teach us and he will change us. Now, the Bible says that he's going to recreate us into his image. And you realize no, no matter where you are, that's exactly what he's doing. He's recreating you into his image. Do you see it? The Bible says that you're a new creation, that you're a new self. You have been fused you have been united with Christ and you are God's gift to Jesus. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, our hearts are overwhelmed by your declaration. We are so thankful for just how much you love us, how much you care for us, we're thankful for, for all the blessings, of course. But we're thankful that you came into our lives, that you cleaned house, and now you dwell there. And we praise you and thank you for all of those things. And I pray that you will watch over us as we enjoy the experience of knowing you. Bless us to this end, I pray, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.